Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jeff, and welcome to our Good Friday service tonight. We're delighted to have you join in with us. I saw some faces here tonight I have not seen in a year or, or more, and so it's so good to, to see you and to be in fellowship with, uh, with you tonight. So those that are worshiping with us online, we look forward to seeing you one day. How's that? But we're glad that you are uh, worshiping with us. And our folks here tonight, if you haven't already, maybe take a moment and pull out your phone and do what I did a couple minutes ago and push the share button if you're on the Facebook. And that way uh, we can invite people to join in with our Good Friday service. I know we have many uh, who are doing that even as I speak. And so we do, uh, we welcome, we welcome you here tonight. I hope you were able to get your, uh, your little packet here with the wafer and the juice. And we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper here tonight. Maybe it gives you time online uh, to grab some bread and some, some drink. And you can join us here in just a, just a few minutes. Uh, Jeff told y'all a little story. I'm not going to keep you an hour seated there, but I will 58 minutes or so. I mean, anyhow, it's, it'll, be, it'll be great. Now, I have a message I do want to share with you tonight. And just delighted that you are here. And I'm so grateful to God for Good Friday. It is a somber time. Uh, but it's a holy time. Uh, it's a solemn time, but it's also a hallelujah time because we as followers of Jesus, this is the day of all days, right? This is the day uh, we commemorate, we especially set aside, and we think about what happened at 9 a.m. until 3 p.m. in the afternoon when Jesus Christ uh, said, it uh, is finished. I'm so glad he did not say I'm finished, but he said it is finished. The work of salvation has been uh, completed. To telesta is the Greek word there, it is finished. So tonight, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me to Romans chapter five. I'm gonna read a, a passage of scripture to you within its context, the text that God has really been impressing upon me over the last several days. And so in preparation for this message, I'm calling it uh, Love Toward Us. Love toward or manifested uh, to us. And it's based on Romans chapter 5, and verse 8 is our primary text, but I wanted to read it within its context. It is so rich, and I know that you're going to enjoy and be blessed by the Word of God as I share this brief message with you as we prepare our hearts to observe the Lord's Supper, and then especially as we prepare for Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday at 11 o'clock. As Trey mentioned to you a moment ago, I surely want to invite you to come and invite people, bring people with you. I know many of you are already doing that, and it's fantastic. Really look forward to, uh, uh, to Sunday. Uh, all right, so we're in Romans uh, chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8, but really focus in on verse 8. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom uh, also we have access. Uh, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we, as a result, Paul says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, and I love this segue here as he moves from the hope and the, and the access and who we are in Christ. He says, look what we can do. We can glory when times are hard. We can, we can actually rejoice in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character eventually to hope. 
Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, somebody might even dare to die but God. I love that little, that little phrase. It's mentioned oftentimes uh, in the Bible. It, it usually follows a, a dilemma, a, a difficult situation, which is followed by this exclamation. Yes, times are hard. Uh, the night is dark. There's sorrow. There's pain. There's difficulty. There's tribulation. But God, God has the final word. But God, look what he does. He demonstrates he acts. He goes on our behalf in his own love toward us. And that's the title of our brief message tonight. Love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I always love reading stories of sacrifice. The, the preeminent one, of course, is what we're reading tonight. It's what we're celebrating it's what is so beautifully portrayed and manifested in this bread and in this juice because we're talking about the sacrifice of all sacrifices. When Jesus hung on that cross for six hours, bearing the weight of your sin and my sin, uh, dying for us so that we could be born again unto eternal life, paying the penalty that we could never pay. Why? Because we're ungodly, right? We're unholy. We're unjust. There's nothing that we can do to appease God or to please God, to earn God's favor. We had to have help. I don't know about y'all, but I needed help. I needed somebody to come rescue me and redeem me because I did not have the wherewithal. I did not have the ability to pay for my sins. And that's where Jesus steps in. And so that is the preeminent example. But I always enjoy reading where people willingly step in and lay down their lives on behalf of another. The Greek word for this is agape. And that's the word uh, that we use here in love that, that Paul writes about. It's a self-sacrificing love. It is a kind of love where you put the other person's desires or needs or maybe even their life ahead of your own. So I read this article this week in preparation for the message tonight. It's written by a man by the name of D.G. Hewitt. The title is 10 of the Most Heroic Acts of Self-Sacrifice in History. And I tell you, I was, I just loved reading this because I was being introduced to some anonymous people, some people that I had never heard of. And I want to share with you tonight, perhaps my favorite of all the 10 that were mentioned in the article. And the, the writer must love, um, he must love war and he must love history. And, and so he dips in and gives lots of illustrations. Maximilian Kolbe uh, was this Franciscan friar. He was Polish, born in Poland in 1894. When he was 12 years of age, he dedicated himself to God. He dedicated himself to a life of service and ministry. And true to that dedication at age 12, this Franciscan priest, friar, Maximilian Kolbe, he lived that kind of life of sacrifice and helping others. He was a bright man. He went on and got his PhD in philosophy. And in the 1920s, in the 1930s, he would travel around the world and he would build monasteries and he would help people and 
He built one in India. He built another one in Japan. His health began to fail him, so he went back to Poland. Are y'all with me? In 1941. What's going on in 1941? Anybody? World War II. And so he goes back and they tell him, they say, look, you know, the Nazis are here. They're, they're going to take over, but you have German ancestry. And if you will just sign this document, uh, we will not persecute you. We will not prosecute you. In fact, you can just be one of us. And he said, in good faith and good conscience, I could not sign that document. In fact, he went a step beyond that. He began to write and he began to write against the Nazi occupation of his homeland. He was very bold, he was very brave. And they warned him, they said, look, they said, Friar, if you keep this up, you are going to be uh, captured. You're gonna be placed uh, uh, in prison. The Gestapo, you, they're coming after you. And he said, I don't care because right is right and wrong is never right. And so what is happening here in my country uh, it is very displeasing to God. So he began to write and he published these writings. So eventually he was arrested and he was taken to Auschwitz of all places, prison. And while he was there in 1941, uh, he was beaten. Uh, he was persecuted vehemently. And one day, 10 Polish captives escaped now that was unthinkable. It's like escaping from Alcatraz, that never happens. And so they did. And to punish, the Nazis said, we are going to take 10 of you remaining and we're gonna place you in an underground bunker and starve you to death. And so they began to select and they selected this one man. And this one man was crying out for mercy. He goes, look, he said, I am married. He said, I have children, please, please. And Maximilian Colby said, I'll take your place. And sure enough, he did. He took his place. He went into the bunker. And, and an eyewitness who watched the, what happened said that that priest went up to each one of those men and he just began to say, come on, guys, I'm with you. I'm for you. Let's pray. And he prayed with them. They went into the bunker and everyone died. All nine died except Maximilian. True story. Maximilian Colby was the last survivor Two weeks he survived. Now that borders absolutely on the miraculous. I've always heard you can't last seven days without water. Well, anyhow, the Nazis saw that he was still alive, so they went into the bunker and they gave him a shot and they they executed him and killed him. The man who lived. You know, y'all forgive me. I'm from Alabama. I can hardly do English, but I got to pronounce this Polish name just because I want you to know this guy's uh, name, okay? Franciszek Galanisek. <laughs> Amen. Good job, Brother Danny. You did, you did it. Franciszek Galanisek, something like that. He lived to be 93 years of age. And for 50 years, anybody that would listen, guess what he would tell them? He said, there was a man that saved my life. He was a savior to me. He was a priest who went into the bunker and took what was due me, and he took my place. Tonight, I want you to think with me about two words, and then we're gonna enter into the Lord's Supper. 
John Kemp's going to come. He's going to sing a song. And we're just going to have a time of more of worship. But the two words I want you to think about are appreciation and motivation. Okay? Those two words. Appreciation, which is really a weak word. I should call it adoration. Appreciation or adoration and then the word motivation. And so what I mean by the word appreciation is tonight, just thanking God for Christ, his sacrificial death, his substitutionary, vicarious suffering on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And just to slow down a minute and catch our breath and say, God, we absolutely, we thank you. We appreciate God. What you have done on our behalf, Jesus, the righteous one, 1 Peter 3, 18, but he suffered one time for sins, the just one for the unjust one so that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, made alive by the Spirit. So just appreciate. I hadn't planned on doing this, but I want to do this. Can y'all just bow your heads with me for just a moment and close your eyes? And let's just ruminate on this sacrificial love. I'm just give you a moment just to tell God through Christ you appreciate. You're very, very grateful for what he did on, on your behalf. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Sometimes that's good, isn't it? Just to take a deep breath and just in adoration and appreciation, uh, thanking God for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were guilty, right? While we were sinners, transgressors, Christ died for us. The second word is the word motivation. And I chose the word motivation because I would, I would love for the Spirit of God just to motivate you and me um, to take this a step further out of adoration or worship and appreciation to God to the point where it, it's actuated. It actually changes us from the inside out and we actually do something about it. Now, there is a very slim possibility uh, that you and I will ever be in a situation that Maximilian Colby was in where we uh, have the opportunity, if you will, to step in and literally physically save another human being. We, we may not be able uh, to do that, but wouldn't it be awesome if we were motivated tonight to tell everybody about someone who did, and that is Christ, that Jesus loved the world so much. And that's my message uh, Sunday, Easter Sunday. I can't wait, John 3, 16, where I'm gonna share my message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal and everlasting life. And so I'm praying that God would motivate you tonight 
that as you're sitting here and as you are worshiping him and as you're partaking of the Lord's Supper, that you will enter into a time of, yes, thank you, Lord. God, I'm so very eternally grateful that you died for me and arose from the dead for me. And I'm motivated by the Spirit of God to help, to serve, to give, to go, to do. I don't know about y'all, but when God really, I know when God really speaks to me in a worship service, in a worship context, whether it's just me and the Lord in the early morning or whether it's in a corporate public uh, arena like we're in here tonight, I know when God really speaks to me because it motivates me to do something to be kind, to be generous, to be self-sacrificing, to really epitomize the word agape and to go beyond and, and to give. There's actually a church in Houston, Texas named the St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Church. A whole church is there in his honor. And that Polish guy, whom I'm really having a hard time pronouncing his name, Franciszka Galnicinek, I think, visited the church in 1994. And he told, through his translator, he told him these words. So long as I live, if I ever have breath in my lungs, I would consider it my duty to tell every person who would ever hear me, the heroic act of love by Maximilian Colby. He lived like 50 years from the time of 1944 till 1994. And for those 50 years, can, can you imagine what that guy's life was like? Can you, can you imagine spending just a, a, a minute with him? Could you imagine sitting on an airplane next to that guy? He didn't care who you were, were you a stranger, a friend or foe. He probably turned to you and say, let me tell you what happened to me. I was sentenced to death, but a priest, a friar, he stepped in my place. He took upon my punishment. He died in my stead and I'm alive today because of what that man did. And I just want to tell you, Great Hills Baptist Church, that's the story that every one of us tonight that we have or we can have if we really believe that Christ died and, and we take this bread in a moment and we commemorate that and celebrate that death, that shedding of, of blood and brokenness of body. And, and we, we, we believe that. We ingest it physically and into our digestive system. But more than that, we take it in spiritually and we really, really believe that Christ died, arose from the dead, and we believe in him and we are born again unto eternal life. And when that happens, mm, here comes the adoration, here comes the appreciation. And I do pray tonight, there comes the motivation that inspires you and me to go and be verbal and to go and witness uh, for Christ. You know, I'm gonna take off this little tab here. I invite y'all to do that with me. There's a, a film, a very thin film of plastic. It looks like this. I'm sure you can see it, can't you? Uh, just tear it off. There you go. And then you got the little wafer. Do you see that? It's pretty amazing. COVID makes you creative, right? <laughs> makes us have to 
not pass the plate or come to the front, but we can, we can do this. Some of you may be here tonight, and many of you, far more of you I know, are watching us online, and maybe you just get a piece of bread or uh, maybe some juice, or if you just get a cup of water. I mean, what, what's most important is what it represents, right? Uh, the bread and the juice or the wine, what does it represent? It represents the broken body of Jesus, okay? And it represents his blood shed for us on the cross. Tonight, maybe, it may be the, the very first time that this makes sense to you. That God so loved you that he gave his son, like Maximilian Colby gave his life for Mr. Francesca, that Jesus Christ did the same thing for you spiritually, that he died in your stead, he arose from the dead so that you could live this life abundantly and that when you die, you can spend eternity with God in heaven. And since Christ has done that for you and for me, what do, what do you think God expects of us? I think he expects us to say, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I was sharing the gospel with a Muslim just a couple of weeks ago, and um, we, we were talking about, um, I guess you could talk about our religious leaders, who he worshiped and who I worship. And I'm telling you, when you juxtapose Jesus against every person who ever lived, there's no comparison. And I'm not saying that and, you know, all braggadocious and proud. I'm just saying there's nobody quite like Jesus, the Son of God given his life for you and me so that we could be forgiven. So in appreciation to the Lord for what he's done for us tonight, I'll read this text and invite you uh, to partake of this, this little wafer here, this little piece of bread. Here's the text. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed and broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat it, for this is my body. All right, now we want to pull off that plastic top and cover. I'm not going to pull mine all the way off. You know why? Because I will spill it. I'll yank it off, and it'll just go right on my red shirt here. So I'm going to just pull it halfway or most of the way and turn it around. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. All right, here's the text. I'll read it to you. And then uh, John will come, and the band are going to sing. And as they sing, I'll... I just want us to just kind of be in a, in a sense of contemplation and, and meditation and just some quietness with the Lord as we worship him and thank him. So here's the text. Then he took the cup. He gave thanks, Jesus did, and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Okay. So let me pray for you and then we'll have a song and then I'll come back and wrap, wrap it up here in just a minute. Father, thank you so very much. Lord, with deep, deep-seated appreciation and adoration and gratitude, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the, for the shed blood at Calvary. We thank you for the propitiation, Lord, that you, Jesus, took upon yourself the holy wrath of God intended toward us 
for our sin and our transgressions. And Jesus, you stood in the gap. And all of us tonight, God, we say hallelujah. What a Savior. What an act of agape. What an act of love. And we do that, God. We worship you tonight. We thank you and we adore you. We're praying tonight, Lord, you'd motivate us. That you'd motivate us, Lord, to live differently, to live a life of appreciation and worship and adoration. Lord, that we would verbally witness and speak to people about how much you, God, love them and invite them. Lord, invite them in our homes or invite them with conversation as Ashley and I did yesterday with our neighbor, 45 minutes just talking and, and just loving on people. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of representing you and being your witness and being your ambassador. And we count it a high and holy privilege, God, that you've saved us so that we could make pronouncements and share with others how awesome you are. So Lord, we just enter into another time of just more contemplation and worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.